This is the Sea to Sky podcast, exploring what the Sea to Sky has to offer. Okay, welcome to another Sea to Sky podcast, once again broadcasting from the Whistler Film Fest. And I've got quite the crew here today. I've got Natty Zinitz. Zavitz. Zavitz. Boy, I'm bad for names. Do you want to try it again? <laughs> no, we're going we're to keep going. We don't wow, have time. Man. Wow. That, that's, Good start. That's, that's Ken Hegan over there in the peanut gallery and Ari Wise here. All people very much involved in the Canadian film scene. Today, we're talking about what is up with Canadian film. Everyone, thanks for joining us. Thank you for inviting. Thank you. It's Happy to be here. here. Okay, so I got I'm, a hot take. Got a hot take. Go ahead. I hate the title Canadian film. I hate it because... I love films. Why are we grouping something into a category based on geography? Why can't we base films on how much we love them or the kind of genre or story? For tax credits, Ken. <laughs> yeah. yeah, okay. Because we all work so that's, in yeah. So, that's so Ken, Ken with the opening salvo, thanks yeah, very much. Yeah. And you respond for tax credits. But you know what? That's if, if that was true, that would be fine for tax credits. But that's not true because there is something definite about Canadian film. When you say Canadian film, I used to live in L.A. People go, I'd say Canadian film. They'd roll their eyes. So mm-hmm. there, there is... There is a, and I'm telling you, I've talked to people here this weekend. I've talked to many, many filmmakers that, Canadian filmmakers that roll their eyes at the idea of Canadian film. They go, it's boring, it's, it's earnest drama, it's melodrama. Mm-hmm. It, it, it doesn't feel honest, it doesn't feel true. It feels like they're trying to tech, tick boxes. Well, I, I think it's, it has a lot to do with like the expression, you are what you eat, right? So our films are what they are because how they're made and how they're funded. You know, if, if our films were being made by you know Korean mafia guys, then you know, then our they're, they're <laughs> do they have money? Those guys, Korean ma- you know, if you want to make a film, I'll, I'll hook you up. I do want to make a guys. film, yeah, and I'm happy to change so, it. Yeah, I mean, the Korean mafia, uh, you know, or or substitute Russian mobsters, whatever mobsters of some sort. If there's if there's like you know money, shady money going into things, then or just money going into things. Well, then, what I'm suggesting yeah. is, could we just abandon the title Canadian film once? The financing has been arranged, mm. and then we mm. and then we're just dealing with a great film. I like uh, I like Canadian movies. I feel like yeah. I think whoever's saying Canadian film isn't good film isn't watching Canadian. Tell films. me a Canadian film you like. All of Dolan's work, Cronenberg's work, Agoyan's work, Ashley McKenzie's work. Like, there's exciting. I can't. I haven't seen Firecrackers, but Firecrackers is going Jasmine Mozaffari. She's going around the world with it right now. People are celebrating. That's Canadian film. It was made by a bunch of Canadian women. That's Canadian film. Whoever's not thinking that there's interesting work happening here, I've never. I would never put together the words Adam McGowan and exciting. That to me, Adam McGowan is the epitome of Canadian of Canadian film. It's just. It's impenetrable. Did I say Agoyan? You did say Agoyan. I said Cronenberg, I'm pretty sure. No, Cronenberg is a different story. I, I agree with you on Cronenberg. Cronenberg's yeah. pretty interesting. I like Adam McGoyan. He, you know, he's, for, he's got exploding <laughs> heads. You know, he's done some interesting stuff. But um, and I would say he's a filmmaker who happens to be Canadian. Is he telling Canadian stories? I don't know. He's telling great stories. He is because he's yeah. Canadian. He's telling stories. That's no, but I think that's a good point. I, like, I, I totally agree with your view. Cronenberg just does stories that he wants to tell. And I think so often the problem with Canadian film, it's like, oh, it's got to be Canadian somehow. <laughs> what are you laughing at? Well, I mean, Why is that funny? If, listen, if, if, the, if the government's throwing in some box, you got to have the eagle screech. you got to have, you know, you have to have Oh, sorry, it's a hawk screech. It's actually a hawk screech. Everyone says eagle screech. It's actually a hawk screech. Really? you got to have those Canadian identifiers in there that says, you know. Telefilm required uh, my buddy Nick Ratz. His first feature was called The Burial Society. Uh, he said it all in a, in, in a traditional Jewish community in New York State. 
And Telefilms said, that's a great, great story. We'll give you some development money for that, but you got to put some Canadian flags in the background of every scene. And he, <laughs> he felt strongly that, well, this is... Is that true? Yeah. That's like yeah. A, a for real thing? For real thing. Uh, at the time, this was many years ago. I don't know yeah. if that's changed. Because I know they're trying to be you know, more commercial and, and than they were back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was telling a story that could only be... Sh- it could be filmed in Canada, but it was... It was largely a community that was New York-based, in his mind. Mm-hmm. But he still had to put clean flags in. Is that a bad thing? I don't know. The money's not, coming from Canada. Yeah, I mean, that's not the worst thing in the world. Yeah. As long, American, as, I mean, as long as it's a good story. American films are full of product placement, right? Like, so that's how, they yeah. make, that's how they make films. So we're, our product is Canada. Right? All right, so just to give people a little bit, little bit of background, we are talking to, to actual Canadian filmmakers here. Now, Ken Hegan, you made, just so people get an idea where you're coming from, I'll, I'll name off two of your two of your films: uh, Farley Mowat ate my brother. That's correct. And William Shatner lent me his hairpiece. Short films. Natty is the true filmmaker. He's okay, got now, two features under his belt. Natty, actually, you have yeah. got a film here called Acquainted. That's right. And your last feature was remind me. Edging. Edging. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And let's talk about Acquainted. What's Acquainted about? It's about infidelity and sort of at that being at that stage in your life in your sort of mid to late twenties where you're making the choices that conventionally should define your next 40 years, you know, and uh, about these two people who meet and there could be romance, but they're both in these committed relationships. And then the film sort of just watches how their meeting drips through the rest of their lives. Okay. But what's wrong with throwing some zombies in there? (laughs) Uh, On the next one, maybe. All right. And sorry, does it span many decades? No. Okay, just a few but it, but it's setting them up for yeah. the next four years. Yeah, okay. well, you know, generally these are people who have made big commitments in their life towards the person that they live with or are making choices about the rest of their life with, and then you meet someone else and you don't know if that's the what are you chasing? Is the other thing boring? Are you going to chase excitement? What happens when the excitement fades? You know, it's nice. yeah. And Ken, you're working on you're putting together a feature, and what's your feature about? Uh, it's basically John Wick meets Shaun of the Dead. What's wrong with that? John Wick meets Shaun the Dead. I already want to see it. Zombies. It's about time those two met. That, that's yeah. called an elevator pitch. Ken's, like, Ken's that's a 30-second pitch that took less than 30 seconds. I Ken's got to make those. We'll make ours, and, and everyone will make different Canadian films okay. together. Yeah. There is room for everything, and just so I don't leave Ari out, Ari, you are a composer. Uh, agent. I represent I'm composers. Sorry. Yeah. You wrote, yeah. Used to be a composer, yeah, but now I... Yeah. Yeah. But you... Through, through that, you've been, you've had your hand in a lot oh, of yeah, Canadian I've films. I've worked on several, uh, 11 feature films, uh, at least a dozen television series, uh, dozens of documentaries over the years, yeah, animations, everything. Okay, so maybe you can tell us, when people yeah. are making decisions, how these films and maybe television shows get made, what are they basing their decisions on? Uh... Oh, that stumped him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Either that or he really Shit, wants to. Do you know? Like, like everyone's <laughs> trying to find out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. What are they making their decisions on? Uh, when they decide to make a film? Sorry. Well, they, again. you you Sorry. come to you come to them with the pitch. Yeah. You come to them. Yeah. Maybe you've got maybe you've already got mm-hmm. a director and a cast attached. Mm-hmm. And well, there's a point system, mm-hmm. right? That's, well, that's specifically telefilm is yeah. the point system. All right, is that where we're talking about? Well, well, it's I it's, guess, it's, yeah. it's a little. Uh, that's a little outside of my area of expertise. I know, I know the decision process that goes into hiring a composer and and what music they they're going to want for a, a particular film, and that's very you know, driven by the script. But yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, that's probably a question for you guys. Okay, can yeah, you touch yeah. on the point system? So, yeah. So as I understand it. Um, 
if as long as you've got uh, key creatives, key cast members, key locations as all Canadian, that's a good thing. Thumbs up. You're making a Canadian film, and then that ticks all the boxes. And then beyond that, you impress them with your story. Yeah. Correct. I don't in know. In theory, but I've heard yeah. you know I've heard stories of Canadian filmmakers. Um, uh, an Aboriginal filmmaker from the Northwest Territory. Oh, that helps. And he, well, it does. It helps with your point system, but then he goes to telefilm and they like the story, but they have notes. You know, I've heard from Canadian filmmakers that telefilm is worse than, you know, the worst Hollywood executive with their meddling in terms of, well, could it be more this? Could it be more, you know? Well, every studio is going to have notes. Isn't telefilm generally... I don't. Th- but Telefilm's not a studio. They're not. They're a nonprofit. I don't know. I've never made a film with Telefilm. Have you made a film with Telefilm? No, I'm hoping. To. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, yeah. I'd love to give them the chance to. Well, where do you? So, how do you finance your films? Privately. Okay. Yeah. So, is it, yeah, I was just going to say Korean Mafia by any chance. That's great, man. I can't tell. Can't you know, talk. Is, is it dentists? Yeah. Pardon me. Is it dentists? Dentists? No. Just because. Yeah. There's someone else yeah, that's at the festival that's using dentists. It is a thing. Yeah. Mm. And I don't know why dentists are not doctors, but apparently dentists really like to film finance, low-budget film. Yeah, you know some? I don't personally, but, okay, but someone does because well, they're, getting, touch, much, they're getting enough money to, to film a, to make a movie. Yeah, yeah it's amazing. And apparently, they, yeah. they have the most disposable income think, out of all those. Um, I think it's important things. that people continue to try to make films outside of Telefilm's purview because yeah. of what they will insist upon involvement, right? And mm-hmm. there's a new system that's coming out that I think will definitely shake up the idea of what Canadian film is because they're financing 50 first features this year through Talent to Watch mm-hmm. and that's gonna that's 50 new films that's astonishing across the breadth of the Canadian experience which is enormous and contains such multitudes and if two of those films are similar I'll be surprised because yeah. you're giving voice to people who haven't had voices before and that's exciting well at one point years ago they they got kind of sick of all the all the politics that were becoming involved in telefilm and they just said we have this much money and it's first come first serve Mm -hmm. and I think that's the way it should be if you can put together you know if you have certain it for sure should not be that way oh I definitely 100% it shouldn't be that way why? why not? first come first serve yeah absolutely that just rewards that just rewards people who can put together an application well not can make a film well and that's the problem that's who's been getting the money is people who are already in the system who can engage with it in a way that they're comfortable with instead of yeah. telefilm deciding to fund people whose ideas are outside of what they've filmed instead of just people who are good at putting applications together. So you remember when you were in elementary school or high school and the kid that made a great poster board got the good mark but you knew it was stupid? <laughs> That's what we're rewarding first come first serve. I like both their ideas. Well, I, 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 get where you're, I get where you're coming from but my point of view is that back, I think it was back in the 80s or even in the, the 70s, Australian film, they decided, they were very much where Canadian film has always been. They decided that there, there's too many films that look like Picnic at Hanging Rock, mm. which is a fine film. They don't want every film to be like that. So they, they just decided, we're giving money to anybody that can put together a certain, you know, they've got a, actors and a director and a script, we'll throw my, and that, that's where movies like Mad Max came from. That's and, exciting. And I do, I think it's exciting. I mean, yeah, like, a lot of schlock yeah. was made, but they ended up with a really vibrant uh, a film industry and the same thing could happen with this new telefilm 50 films in a year because that was lobbied by a young Canadian filmmaker who yeah. was frustrated by the old the system mm-hmm. yeah so uh, I, I think it's going to be uh, a very very interesting next 24 months yeah 
why did I say 24? 23 months. 20, Next 23 months. Yeah. Watch out. Let's see. Uh, you don't have high hopes? I will see. I hope so. I mean, you know, the thing that's so frustrating is that I know how much talent there is. I know there's great writers. I know there's great actors. I've seen them. I've met them. I've watched them before. And there are good, there are Canadian, for the record, there are Canadian films I do like. And uh, Is this a podcast about Canadian film? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What did you think we were talking about? I'm just curious if, if there are some Canadian films you like and it maintains a podcast, like... There must be more than some that keep you engaged, right? Like you're here at a festival interviewing Canadian filmmakers to be disparaging of most of Canadian film by implying that you only like some of it. I feel like yeah, it's I am. a strange I'm, place I'm, to be I'm, I'm definitely disparaging most of Canadian film. And I don't think it's the fault of the filmmakers. I think it's the fault of a lot of these funding agencies and the difficulty in raising money and the stipulations that they put in place. Okay. And I mean, for for example, we well, we tried to get Bruce McDonald in on this, but if, you know, he's I guess he's too big now. I mean, I'm I'm so disappointed in you, Bruce. I thought you were down with the people, but you know, anyway. So. You didn't even get his hat, his wicked cowboy hat. That would yeah. have been a great guest. That well, but nobody can see it. But anyway, so Bruce McDonald. I remember, you know, I was only about a year year or so out of film school, and I came back to Vancouver, and Hardcore Logo came back. Hardcore Logo was at mm. Vancouver uh, Film Fest. I thought, wow, this is really refreshing. One of, one of my Canadian, favorite Canadian films. Canadian film seems to be really taking a new direction. These people, these people sound real. I actually mm. believe this story. It's an interesting story. It's engaging. Yeah. But unfortunately, it seemed to be an outlier more than a trend. You said outlier? I would have thought outlier. Outlier. Wasn't that, wasn't that like, <laughs> I don't know why I said that. How long ago was that? Why did I have you on here? That was a long time ago. Yeah. It was like 25 years ago. It was 20 years ago. Ashley McKenzie made an amazing film two years ago that went to Berlin and is spectacular. Werewolf is fantastic, right? Like, I haven't seen Firecrackers, but I keep on going back to it because of how they put together a small film that's traveling the world and like winning festivals around the world. Yeah, but winning festivals, winning festivals doesn't always, it's showing it got American distribution. So with a targeted theatrical run in America because of the talent of the Canadian filmmakers who happen to be women coming together to make that film. So to point to hardcore logo as the last time no, no, you were and excited? I, like, no, I, my, no, my point was not that was the last time I was excited about Canadian film, not not by a long shot. Okay. I just I was saying that I was fairly new out of film school way back then mm-hmm. and just my impression was, oh, this is a refreshing change, but it, it ended up not being the trend. It ended right. up being the exception, not the rule. Yeah. I have seen, there was a movie that came out actually. I think Bruce McDonald's a rare filmmaker. I think he's very talented. There was another movie starring Scott Speedman that came out a few years ago that I saw through the first Weekends Club yeah. about the first Canadian bank robber yeah. and the first celebrity Canadian bank robber. And I, again, I was like, wow. The Bill, the Bill Miner story? No, no, that's that's in the old west. Oh, it took place in the in the nineteen fifties, and it was right. it was it was gritty. It was real. It had great pacing. You were engaged all the way through. And I was like, I, I come out of there. I go, why can't they make more movies like this? I, this was great. It doesn't always have to be bank robbers. It doesn't always have to be zombies. But I just pacing is always seemed to me one of the biggest uh, flaws in Canadian film. We seem to have this idea that it has to move at a snail's pace to be art for some reason. I, I'm talking too much here. Can someone else jump in here? What about Operation Avalanche? That's not at a snail's pace. What about, like, there's so much. What about the Trailer Park Boys movies? Those aren't at a snail's <laughs> those are, pace. Well, there you go. Like, I think, I those think, are two wildly different types of films, all very Canadian. 
I and I agree with you. I think Trailer Park Boys is a good example. What's a slow movie to you? Of that you're the sweet hereafter. Okay. Um, well, okay. I just that, that was that what fifteen years ago. Mm, was it that yeah, long? Yeah. Was it that long? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a long time ago. Yeah, okay. Yeah. You watch more Canadian yeah. film than I do, clearly. Surprising for a podcaster. I mean, like, that's... Well, this is... I also used to work at the Canadian Screen Awards. I feel like I have an exceptional insight, like, just opportunity to see. You yeah. know, like, I get to see a lot of them. But I think that's important, you know? And I think, to come back to it, part of the perception of Canadian film is defined by the people covering it. And if the people covering it are not excited about the material they're covering, which is what I read in every newspaper, mm-hmm. then that's the issue, right? Like, the, the work is quality. It travels immensely. Canadian film outside of Canada, mm-hmm. I think, is viewed very positively. Yeah. I've been meeting tons of programmers from around the world, and they come to TIFF finding Canadian films, right? That's exciting for them. And like, I, I that's the, the perception. I think the, the issue is, is when you try to compare them with American films. Americans make American films, and they like those films, and, and we like those films too, but uh, Canadians make the films we do because of the water we drink and the, and the air we breathe and the, and the stories we tell. These are, like them or not, uh, I don't think we can compare them to American stories. These are our stories. Yeah, and, but and, I... And, and, and some... And, some people may find them boring, but uh, you know, internationally they do pretty well. Florida Project's a slow movie. How'd you feel about that? Yeah, also pretty pretty boring. Yeah, I agree with you there. I, 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 I mean, it's it's astonishing, but now you're just coming to taste rather than taking these like yeah, that's you know yes, like that is true. It is. It is. And I'm defensive. My movie's slow as fuck. It's like there's <laughs> a bunch of just slow, 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 slow scenes mm-hmm. because that's the cinema people are making sometimes, and some people are making different kinds of cinema with zombies, but to point at commercial success as a indicator of quality is pointing to a larger issue with marketing of Canadian films. Well, you're right. It does come down to an element of taste, but it does seem to me, and I think, and I know I'm not alone in this perception, that Canadian films do have, they are perceived by a large number of people, including Canadian filmmakers, that they're slow, they're overly dramatic, they're you know, there's a way to do drama and there's a way not to do drama. Mm-hmm. Now, I haven't seen Acquainted. I haven't actually seen any of your films. So, I, you know, this is not uh, no point of reference there. But I have seen other Canadian. Now, I, I happen to have named some, some very old ones and, and, you know, I apologize for that. But nothing has really changed. I know people that have seen more recent films and they all suffer some, from the same thing. There is, there's a lack of camera movement. There's a lack of believable dialogue. Now, look at, look at the... We're talking about comparing to American films, and I know there's American stories and there's Canadian stories. However, if you look at someone like the Coen brothers, it doesn't take a lot of money to do interesting shots. There's actually a really good... Uh, if we're all getting there's a really to good the pod- Coen brothers, it's all downhill for everyone. Fair, you know, fair yeah. enough, but, but that doesn't mean you can't rise to the challenge. There's a really good podcaster called Every Every Frame of Painting, and he's actually a yeah. guy... In, he's in Vancouver. Yeah, a guy 20, and, his, and his girlfriend. Yeah, they, they made those... Uh, just breaking down and analyzing Fincher's films right. and uh, comedy films by Jackie Chan and um, the, uh, the Shaun of the Dead filmmaker as well. Sorry, I briefly forgotten his name. But he's great visual storytelling. Right, exactly. And that's somebody that's not making movies with a lot of money, but he's saying... Baby Driver had an enormous budget. That's a huge movie. Which one? Baby Driver. That's his most recent film. It is his most recent film, and it's and I think probably his worst film. And and, yeah, and, and, like he, did it, and he did it. And he did it. He worked at scale. Yeah. Yeah, and 
But also to compare the scale that he has access to, to Canadian film is impossible, right? Mm. Even his small budget films are in the tens of millions of dollars. Not, right? not Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead was... You know, About three million. Yeah. yeah. That's a lot of money. They talk about big budget Canadian films being two and a half million dollars. <laughs> okay? It, it, like, it's a scale of economy that isn't as accessible in Canada. Well, look, my, my friend... We Andre, Andre Overdahl, who's Norwegian, mm-hmm. who you know is a good friend, was my roommate in college at Brooks Institute. He made um, Troll Hunter for three and a half million dollars, and that's a movie that was in Norwegian yet found an international audience. It's amazing. I think there's tons of examples of that in Canada. Like that's. I would like to see more, and I, I and I don't see a ton of man. Same. Like I'd love to see more. Part of that is the marketing of it, though. Like mm-hmm. we can't just concentrate an industry on creators and not have an economy and an industry to support it. Right. Like it needs people at distribution and marketing and public funding and private funding and exhibition and coverage, especially coverage, to say, look to your stories. These are representative of you. And I think importantly like telling stories that are indicative of the population of Canada and people come out. Like Quebecois, go watch Quebecois films. English Canadians don't see English Canadians. Yeah, but you know films. what? I, Quebecois films tend to be better. And, and I they think- They tend to be supported. And I think, yeah. There's, there's an industry there to lift them up. That's true, but I think from what I've seen of uh, French Canadian films, they're more original, they're more interesting. And I think it's because they're sort of divorced from this checklist of Canadian content that we have to that we have to follow in English Canadian film. It seems like they can just be a good film, as opposed to whereas you come to you're sighing heavily. I know you don't agree with me, but I I just you know and I I'm sorry, but I've seen too much of this to 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 not not uh, agree with you that in English Canada there's too much of this Canadian content checklist that I think drags down the film. And I th- and I see even if you're not going through telefilm. I think that filmmakers are guilty of that. For some reason, I think they feel that they have to fit into a certain genre of film, and it's not necessarily an entertaining genre. And I've had, uh, if, I've had, art, you know, I've had, I've had artist friends, both in theater and film, and say that you know a lot of the problem with Canadian arts in general is that too often we're trying to appeal to the arts granting board. And not trying to appeal to an audience, not trying to find an audience. I, I think just applied for a Canada Council grant for for Connors. That's this the film I'm, yeah. I'm shooting in the fall, in the spring. Uh, and so I applied to uh, Canada Council because it was a digital storytelling on video uh, chance for cash. So I asked for less than what was my maximum. I think maximum was like sixty grand. I asked for. Maybe fifty-eight thousand. I thought I'll, I'll give the taxpayers of Canada a break. They can save the two grand, and I'll make this really fun movie that I think is really well plotted. And uh, you know, I've had multiple drafts, and I've done public readings with professional actors. I've, um, hired a story editor to make my script as killer as possible, and therefore valuable for an arts board to invest in as a Canadian story. The Canada Council, um, in that, uh, they replied saying. We do not fund stories that are made for the creative film and TV industries. But that seems to contradict your creative filmmaking category that you're giving money out for. No, instead, what they're looking for at Canada Council, and perhaps this is obvious to everyone but me, they're looking for uh, installation videos that don't have a story, a three-act story. They're not looking for me. And they also said if you're applying for telephone cash, then... 
forget it because then you're you're really trying to go after an audience and you're double dipping from the federal government. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. So if I hear the same answer from Telefilm though that we don't want to back it, uh, they're looking more like for art. They want to fund art. They want you. Which to, that's fine. There's yeah. a place for that. Sure. Yeah. So we'll see. I, 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 I'm, I'm, so I, I don't know how much I can speak about the Telefilm process until after I apply for. Just tell them you're gonna you're gonna slice up fruit, dry it. And then use that as the lens to shoot <laughs> your film. And It'll all be shot the same up. script and say, but I'm going to shoot it through dried fruit. That sounds yeah. cool. Upside down. Upside, upside down. down. Upside yeah. down. That's a brand new form. Yeah. But I think you're right. It is an issue that, this is arts funding in general, but it is an issue that they don't see profit as being a plus in an artist's right. life. Mm-hmm. Like, to, to push towards having a sustainable income. What an unworthy see, goal. Yeah. yeah. Which yeah. is crazy. <laughs> I mean, and, yeah, it's crazy. That's but yeah, and then I don't. I okay. So at least we found a, a point of agreement here that yeah, for some reason, the funding bodies, and I think in a way this tends to infect the the, the industry as a whole because mm-hmm. you come you come forward with this point of view that for some reason turning a profit is a bad thing that that it's somehow it's mass entertainment and mass entertainment is bad. And, but you know what? There's great movies that have reached mass audience. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't really most see of my that. favorites. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so there's a real disconnect there, and I think that is, I think that's the fundamental flaw in Canadian in Canadian the Canadian film industry. I think that's where it starts. And like I say, it doesn't just come from the the funding bodies. I think I think it infects the rest of the industry in a way. There's also there's also a, a certain dynamic. I know this is in the in the music world as well. Composers, like composers, are really receive uh, arts grants funding. Uh, and I'm not talking about people who are producing commercially viable albums. I'm talking about like art house composers. They're often, they're, all they're trying to do is impress other art house composers with their music. Uh-huh. And, and yeah. I get that feeling sometimes when I watch Canadian film. And the only thing sometimes is they're really making films for other Canadian filmmakers. To, yeah. yeah. But you pitched me a story. Well, you were just telling me the story. It felt like a pitch. Um, I think maybe your composer was going to or did work on it was like an Ontario horror film with like three characters at a cabin and oh, it was yeah. a murder. Yeah, yeah. What's um, that film called? Oh my God, uh, that, that was that was a very uh, well shot film for no money, and I wish I could remember the name. And you were using uh, it as an example yeah, for me yeah, yeah. making a, a comedy horror film. This, this I was writing in explosions, yeah. and you know because of my favorite films yeah. have this huge Hollywood bombast and now I'm realizing Filmmaker, lead actress and composer his name's Brittany Allen Brittany are you out there? Oh, yeah. Good film You know yeah. Brittany? Yeah, yeah. Friend, yeah I can't remember the name of her film I wish I could but I, I watched it But it sounds clever and Blood dark something. What's that? Blood something it's Ooh, Blood something I heard a girlfriend go to a cabin and everything Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't have it uh, I wish I could remember But you were giving it to me as an example of how to write for what you can shoot and and tell a really great suspenseful story. Running uh, around the woods, killing each other. So our first, the first film that I made with producer Stephanie Hooker, who also produced Acquainted, and we're developing another one, um, is this movie Edging, and we made it in four days between Christmas and New Year's in my garage, and and we won an audience award at Mm -hmm. the Canadian Film Festival, you know, like, we knew that people weren't going to be busy. We knew that the equipment wasn't going to be rented. We mm-hmm. had my house to shoot in, and and everyone came in and, and worked on a co-op, right? And I paid for it, and I'm still paying it off, you know? Mm. But people can go buy that. You should go buy it on iTunes. It's <laughs> called Edging. Um, but, you know, that's available. And I think uh, a reliance on public funding 
can be bad and it was what motivated us because we didn't want to wait any longer to be making films, mm -hmm. right? And the, you know, the tough thing about being a filmmaker, which is different than a painter or a poet or, or a musician, is that you need other people to do it and those people's mm -hmm. time and the equipment costs money, yeah. right? Like, yeah. you can write a song by yourself, you know, and you can distribute it yourself, but a film needs to have a, you know, a, a place for people to watch it eventually and it needs to be cut and it's such a longer thing and to fund it yourself mm. is impossible. Yeah, it's a hugely collaborative effort and it's capital intensive, labor intensive, and that's that's one of the problems that, that hinders it as an art because... I'd say it's the best aspect of it because of the collaboration and it allows you to make a larger thing, mm. but I get what you're saying yeah. where it's like a... It, it it's adds a very a difficult process. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting, yeah. Telefilm is all about waiting, you know? Mechanicals, any of those arts, movie studios, you submit or your agent submits for you. If you get an agent, you submit to an agent, you're waiting. And uh, I've been inspired lately by an American filmmaker, um, named Jim Cummings, yeah. who just wrote and directed and starred in Thunder Road, his first feature, and he has been documenting the process of getting this uh, feature made uh, based on his one-day short film that he shot a few years ago with, when he didn't know anybody in Hollywood. He got his friends together and made a... Uh, you know, proof of concept, and based on that, did, did a Kickstarter that was successful, and he's been documenting every step on how he's been rallying the troops and just not waiting, not falling in the trap of waiting for your for someone to discover the script that's in your drawer. Just find, basically pick a day, that's the day you're gonna start shooting, and find a way to get it done. And I encourage anyone that's listening, if you wanna be inspired to make your film, Canadian or otherwise, Check out uh, um, Jim Cummings on Twitter or Medium, because he's he's, yeah. been, he's he's every day he releases gems to uh, kick your ass and get off the couch and get your your friends together to, to shoot something cool. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think that what you will. I mean, and that's not just in Canada. You can do that mm. in LA. You can sit around coffee houses uh, typing out your script, hoping mm. you're gonna you're gonna sell something and do a lot of waiting as opposed to just getting out there and you know, making something happen. Again, my friend Andre Overdahl, that's how he started. They used film school. Instead of doing a uh, you know, final project short, he delayed his graduation for a year, he and a friend. Nah. And so they could use all the resources of the film school to do a feature. They did Future Murder and that was their first feature. Which, yeah, I mean, don't get out of film school and yeah. try and you know do whatever, just make it happen. Yeah, I, well, I totally agree. The technology's agree. there now, you can make a film with, with a smaller crew. You, yeah. can, you know, your lighting, you, know, you can always fix it later. Shooting things on digital, yeah. certainly. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So these friends, Grayson Moore and Aiden Shipley, who had a film that they directed, uh, was at the festival last year called Cardinals, you know, that yep. big tiff, and that's gone around, and they made that with the people that they went to film school with. We worked on that one. Yeah. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. It's a good film, yeah. you know? And I think it's great in all the ways that you were criticizing Canadian film, in mm -hmm. in the, the way it approaches drama, the way it approaches pace, mm -hmm. it, you know, it tells its story very deliberately, yeah. but elegantly, and, you know, there's no sweeping camera movements, and it it, it's what the film required and it's what they were able to make with mm -hmm. through the talent to watch program mm -hmm. which is what was so enormously expanded yeah. so yeah I think that stuff's out there right it, like I, I think people making the best film and not worrying about who they're making it for is the goal for everyone mm -hmm. right and I think when you have a system that's reliant on public funding like we're all talking about mm -hmm. that makes you want to write towards yeah. You know, like Telefilm said no to Acquainted twice, 
And would we have liked more money? Always. But mm -hmm. it like, we still made it. It was harder this way, you know? But I don't think, I don't think we made a better or worse movie for their lack of involvement, right? Like, I, I think we set out trying to make a very specific film. I, th I think there's a certain tyranny that comes with Tyranny, tyranny, like that. Right. Like that. Like Ari, Ari, late in the podcast, finally getting uh, yeah. excited. Go let's ahead, let's tell us about the tyranny. Let's let's break it down to that. Okay, there's a certain tyranny in, in getting your money from from government agencies and from funding bodies that have to make you fill all of the boxes. But there's also a certain tyranny in having to make a film that has to appeal to a mass public audience, right? Like you're saying, okay. We have to, what's really popular now? You know, werewolves are really popular now. Okay, so, you know, we're moving our film over to Romania and we're, that's where we're shooting it. You know, you know, like, this, you know, the ideal situation is when a filmmaker can just make whatever pops into their head. Let's face it, sometimes it's going to work, sometimes it's not. But I think that's where the really cool shit happens. Oh, can I say shit on this podcast? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't encourage it, but it's all right. <laughs> I've been swearing, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's when the really cool stuff happens is when, you know, a filmmaker just can come up with an idea. And he doesn't have to worry so much about, like, who his audience is or who's going to put money into his, his or her film and just, just make something crazy. And yep. I think, I, sorry, to yeah, that point, ahead. I think that's what's so exciting about Talent to Watch is that uh, it isn't without my middle-class whiteness that allowed me the privilege to make my first feature. And I think that's what Talent to Watch will really like. Mm -hmm. Like, the exciting voices in Canada are not indicative of this current room where there's four white guys. And I don't know if you guys are straight or not. Mm -hmm. I am, but if it's four straight white guys four in a room. Four straight white guys, yeah. If it's four straight white guys in a room, it's not talking about Canadian film. It's talking we, about we are, straight we, white we, guys. We film. are the majority of filmmakers, uh, film goers though. I don't think that's a valid thing. I think huh. films haven't been made for other people to go attend, right? Like, if you're not seeing yourself reflected in the cinema, the fuck are you going to go watch a movie about other straight white guys, right? Like, it, anyways, I think the talent to watch thing is exciting because it, like, allows that opportunity to people who don't have the privilege, like I did, yeah. and it seems you do as well, to be able to make film, and it gives that opportunity to marginalized voices, and I think that's what's so exciting, and is publicly funded. Which is, or, or like it's administered by a public funder. I think it's private money that's donated, but that's amazing. And that's what Canadian film mm -hmm. should be. It should be a multitude of voices, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's the like. Yeah, but also we're not just for white guys. We are other things as well, right? One of us might be a murderer. Who knows? Yeah, I, I, <laughs> and I, told you? I think you're, that's a good point, Ari. You, you know, trying to, to boil us down to four straight white guys. Well, we're four people with very real diverse uh a variety of opinions. Yeah. You know, it's a diversity of thought, and I think that's what matters. I no, I don't want to. I don't. I, I'm wearing really cool underwear, and you guys aren't. So I, I, I don't think the diversity of people is exciting if they all have the same thing to say. I they think, don't. We just haven't listened to them yet. Well, they haven't been given an opportunity. I'm. I'm telling you, I got to make my movie because, you know, my parents were middle class, white people, right? Yeah. And I had a home, at a young age, and could shoot in it. You know what I'm saying? Like that's. And there's people who aren't afforded that across every kind of person. But specifically, this straight white guy was afforded enormous privilege. And I think that's true for most straight white guys. And the more we listen to them less, the better off Canadian film and film in general will be. And I think, like I was at the Women on Top uh, luncheon earlier, and the woman pointed to the, like, the, the data bears out that 
films that star women and people of color do better commercially because people have been starved for seeing themselves on screen for so long, right? Those are the people who are gonna go to the cinema to see that. Well, was it there was more women and people of color or was it there were zombies? It for sure wasn't zombies. All right, I'm just, I wanted to throw that out there. But actually getting back to Ari's uh, point just a little while ago, talking about making a movie and just sort of making, just doing your story. You know, I, I don't entirely agree with that because you do have to find an audience. And it was actually, I was talking with Robert Lantos here at the Whistler Film Fest a few years ago. And for people that don't know Robert Lantos, he's kind of like the Uber producer in Canada. Serendipity. Yeah. And, you know, I went to him and asked him the question, why do Canadian films have to be so, air quotes, Canadian? And we, we had a bit of a back and forth. And he, at some point, he said to me, well, if you're making a film that's just for a few people, a select few group of people, then that's not art, that's masturbation. And it's like, yeah, I totally agree with you, but I didn't get to follow up. It's like, so why do you keep funding movies that are, you know, only for a select group of people? Yeah, I think if you're making a group for a, a movies for a select group of elite filmmakers, then yeah, that is kind of like masturbation. But... I, I, masturbating is great. I just want yeah, to yeah, 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 we're not Not that we're disparaging masturbation, but we, we're talking awesome, about film right? here. But, but I, I think in a way, if you're just able to make your own cool shit, an audience will find you. You know, and and, and if you're just trying to cater to a particular audience, I think that's exactly right. Yeah. I think more yeah. filmmakers yeah. making the film that they want to make will find audiences. Yeah, especially with the avenues we have to distribute now. Especially now, because in the old days, everything was run by studios. Everything in the music industry as well, everything was run by labels. You were you consumed the music that was thrust upon you. We were all just you know consumed whatever was t we were told to listen to. Yeah. I think things are different now. I think with the that uh, if you make something crazy and cool, that people will find your film. You know, I think that's well. Yeah. I know we're not I mean yeah, they should and they I think music. We're, we're, yeah, yeah it's having music it's not having so much in film I think it's, that hasn't quite happened just because it's on a yet. longer like I said yeah. a musician More can make a song yeah. but a film needs to you know we shot Acquainted a year and a half ago and we're premiering tomorrow at 7 um, nice nice plug I like that you know what I'm saying I'm getting better at it but you know and I started writing the thing four years ago so like I know you know I have friends that write a song in the morning record it in the afternoon and put it out at night and then <sighs> 10,000 people listen to it that night. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, like, everything in the film industry is happening at the same scale of time. You know, dis distributors mm -hmm. got, they got rid of distributors mm -hmm. of music. That doesn't, you know, like, there's exhibitors and creators now. There's people... Yeah, but can we get rid of distributors in film? <laughs> I'm trying, man. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the, like, don't say that, but the distributors won't give you money. We already have one. We're good. We're good. We're good. Right. Saturday, 71. <laughs> but it, like, that's, you know, that's the, that's part of the issue is that just things are taking longer in film because it's a much longer process a, in film. Sure. Okay. And requires more money. It takes longer to make it. It takes longer to watch it. Okay, so. just to, just to uh, switch gears a little bit, I want to ask, because you brought up the trailer part, boys. Um, what happened to Canadian humor? Because we had we had SCTV, we had Kids in Line. Now, we're talking television, but yeah. you know, I think you know it translates. And okay, so we got Trailer Park Boys, which isn't quite in the, at the same level as I think those two shows were. But we used to have a really vibrant comedian uh, comedic scene here. Easy, they went to LA. Yeah, all right. Yeah, Kim's Convenience so, and Shit's Creek are really good shows I performing like yeah. really well internationally. Those yeah. are with starring all Canadians. Like I know Shit's Creek is on, is, and starring an SCTV alumni. Yeah. Uh, and it is on Netflix, yeah. 
No, 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 no. Like that's a huge show in America. Like that's like it's winning Emmys and stuff. Like that's it's not like Canadian comedy has dropped off. Like there's two big shows right now. You know, like at least that's just like Baroness Van Sketch Show is really funny as well. That stuff exists. That's it's accessible. It's there. It's you can watch it right now, man. Like it's it's there. Let's finish the podcast first. Okay. So bring bring the topic back about what is it about Canadian film that is boring compared to American you know action films I, I, you have to look at what Canada does really well like you know Canada does comedy really well we have a history of making great comedy shows and movies and the other thing too that most people don't realize Canada makes awesome little kid animation mm-hmm. yeah do you Our, watch a lot of little kid animation I used to when I had little kids but okay. they're, they're older now so Paw Patrol yeah that stuff seems that enormous. stuff is just Crazy well internationally. No vomit. Yeah, like yeah. those are huge. Yeah, I do know. I mean, Vancouver has so, been a center of, of animation for a long time. That's Montreal, so Toronto as well. Like it's yeah. it's everywhere. You know. Like, yeah. Yes. So somewhere out there, there's a bunch of Americans making animation. Going, damn! I wish we could do as well as those Canadians. What are they doing that mm-hmm. so well that we're not doing so well? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely they are. All right. Well, we got we got to wrap this up. But okay, before we go, let's go around the table and you tell me what's your ideal Canadian film. Hmm. You want me to pitch you an idea? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, well, I have this idea about a, a lawyer who quits his day job as a lawyer to become the world's greatest Quica player. What, what, what's Quica? Quica is a very specific uh, South American uh, percussion. How's that? How's that Canadian? We're, we're, <laughs> it's Canadian because he's following his. Where are the husky dogs? Where's it's the main funny is he's a Canadian and he wants to be this passionate South American percussionist, but he only wants to focus on this one instrument, which is very obscure. Okay. It's, a, it's, a, it's a like the, the... Could there be a love interest? It's Canadian. It's he Canadian because he wants okay. to... Okay, okay. Man, get your chance music, now. Music is his mistress. Get your chance. Music is his mistress. He loves, <laughs> he, he, he loves the cuica, and the cuica is like the stick that goes into a membrane that makes okay. that... Ooh, beep, beep, all right. Oh, yeah. That sound, you know. So he basically blows off his whole successful, boring life as a lawyer to become the world's greatest Quica player. Okay. <laughs> I'd watch that. I did. 100%. Maybe, maybe. And I have to know what the third act that. is going to be. Maybe. Yeah. Not bad. Okay. Keegan, let's hear your. Uh, I always, uh, I was astounded that Fargo was made somewhere other than Saskatchewan no or Manitoba. No I, I couldn't believe it. I thought that is the most. Canadian that setting. That should have been set in Winnipeg. Because I like I like genre films. I like um, suspenseful noir. I'm a huge noir film fan. I love plot twists, bloody plot twists. Uh, this is my favorite um, British and American films. And I couldn't believe it. I thought, wow, we missed an opportunity. Um, the collective unconsciousness of creativity missed an opportunity to tell that story before the Coen Brothers did. So my ultimate Canadian film is uh, beating the world's wherever they are, the world's best filmmakers to telling something local that will amaze people as much as Fargo did. That was a cop-out. That wasn't a pitch. That was <laughs> oh, you wanted a pitch? I wanted a pitch. Didn't you hear what Ari said? He had a whole thing about a guy going to South America and playing yeah. some obscure instrument. And you gave us this diplomatic answer. No, he doesn't answer. go to South America. I'd watch your movie too, Ken. He tries to become a movie too. He it wasn't a movie. Yeah. I'll watch it's it. Fargo 1994 I'll before Fargo was made. All right, go ahead. Yeah. Daddy. Uh, my first one is Edging, available now on iTunes, uh, and my second one's Acquainted, premiering at this Whistler Film Festival. Sorry, he takes nice. it to, to pitch his own films. Yeah, very uncanny of you to pitch your films well. Yeah. Ari, thank you for being the only person that played. It's not my idea anymore, now it's out there. <laughs> it's, yeah, it is, but, but you were, we have it. We have records out in the world. If someone yeah. steals it, we know that, hey, that was Ari Wise's yeah. idea. That's right. Pay up. Damn it. There yeah. you go. 
Uh, for people listening, I'm, uh, I, a suggestion. If you see a film and it happens to be Canadian and you happen to love it, tell people. Yes. Tell people because anytime right. you, you like some art, you know, you may think it's not a big thing to pass it on, to share. Uh, it is. It's a huge thing um, because uh, you know, Canes, I doubt, have the machine behind them uh, to do the telling for them, to do the advertising for them. Well said. There you go. Okay. Well, with that, I think with those positive words, we'll wrap this up. Gentlemen, thanks so much for Thank sitting you. down and talking with us. Yeah, pleasure. Yeah, it's fantastic. Fun. My first yeah. podcast. I'm thrilled. Yeah, yeah we survived. <laughs> and let's put some pants on, guys. Let's go get some beer. Okay. Uh, and that's been the Sea to Sky Podcast. This is the Sea to Sky Podcast. If you have a comment or story ideas, please check out our website at seataskypodcast.com or on Facebook and Twitter at Sea to Sky Podcast. Thank you for clicking us on.